from last month. Uh, last month, uh, chapter one was called Lucifer and the Dark Flooded Void Earth. So if you missed that, you definitely want to take a listen to that because these things are going to kind of tie in to each other. Amen. So um, let's see what I want to go over from uh, kind of the big things I went over um, was the three heavens, the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven, and all the scriptures associated with them, because it's kind of difficult in the Bible when it just says heaven, because you don't know which one it's talking about, because even, because John mentions the third heaven, that's the place where God's holy throne is, but then we have in Genesis 1, uh, where it talks about, and God put a firmament in the midst of the waters, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, and then we have another heaven where the birds fly, and so it's like you got all these different heavens going on. So when the scripture mentions heaven, well, how do I know which one? Well, you got to kind of read the context of the scripture to find out which heaven it's talking about because it does make quite a big difference. So last month I went over the three different heavens and all the scriptures and how to kind of differentiate them from uh, each other. Uh, what else did I talk about here? Um... Um, you know, kind of the, the rise and fall of Lucifer, how uh, we found in Genesis 1-2 that the earth is in a flooded, judged state. Uh, I do not consider the, I guess, the Genesis 1 creation account to be uh, like 6,000 years ago, and that's the time when God created everything. Because otherwise, what has God been doing for the last eons and eons and eons, twiddling his thumb in the darkness, not doing anything? Well, that doesn't sound like the God that you and I serve, right? He's been doing things. Plus, we also mentioned how, where did Lucifer fit into all this? You know, God makes all the things on the earth and remakes things, and then he makes man, and all of a sudden we see Lucifer in the garden tempting Adam and Eve. Well, when did, well, when did Lucifer's fall occur? When did the third of the angels' fall occur, and how did that happen? Well, I kind of tie into the fall of Lucifer with, with, with why we see Genesis 1-2 in the flooded judge state that we see it and how the light has become darkness, how the earth is without form and void because we read, uh, I don't know if I, I don't have time to go through all, but I think it was in Isaiah or Psalms, one of those where it talks about God did not create the earth formless and void, yet here we have the earth in a voided state, Right? So, uh, so anyways, to kind of recap from last, last month, listen to that uh, just to kind of get a hold of what we're going to be talking about today because we're just going to kind of keep reading on in Genesis because it's going to, things are going to get a lot more interesting. Yeah, it'll be on the podcast on the website if you want to check out the last message. So, all right, so we're going to get, uh, well, let's see. Got my laptop here. I should probably keep my Bible app open here and ready. Now I got all these all these things up here to. to <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no crying for me. <laughs> Not tonight. I hope. Thanks, Mike. Mike's got me covered in case I start wailing like a baby. So, 
All right, we're going to turn to Genesis 1 here. All right, now I'll be reading from New King James. Let's see if I can zoom that in a little bit. So, Genesis 1. All right, so just recap. Beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Again, we don't know how long ago this space was. A lot of people think it's 6,000 years, but then uh, we run into some issues of where it talks about in God's fierce anger, he destroyed the nation, he destroyed the cities and the nations before man was on the earth, before birds were flying. You think, well, when was, when was that? Well, I tie this into... Uh, when Lucifer was reigning on the earth because it talks about when he tried to ascend into heaven above the clouds to overthrow God. Well, to, to ascend above the clouds and up to the throne to the mount of God, where was he coming from? He was coming from earth, which is why he got sent back down to earth, which is why we find him in the garden. So, so the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. The deep here is referring to the deep water. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, all right, we'll start here. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Uh, I find something very interesting here. Uh, who can tell me what this light is? Jesus. Oh, a lot of people think, oh, morning and light. Oh, it's got to be the sun and the moon, right? It's got to be the lights. But this is day one. Those don't get created until what? Day four, where he says he creates the two great lights, one to rule the day, one to rule the night, and he also creates the stars. So here we have, God says, let there be light. You know, for, me, for a long time, I had no clue what he was talking about. And so, God, you know, I, it's been a question on my mind for a while. Like, Lord, what is this light? Well, God gave me a revelation today in Scripture of what it actually is. So, I'm probably just going to try to find that and jump to it because it's a little further down uh, in my notes. I need to get organized here. All right. I know, I should have numbered all these pages, shouldn't I? Um, let's see, I believe, that was last, the Psalms one. Pardon me. Gotta be here. thought it was Psalms 104, but I don't even see that on my sheet. Let's pull it up here and see if that's what we get. Uh, 
that. I don't know why I don't have that on my sheet here, but all right, Psalms 104. All right. Uh, what's very interesting about this is this actually correlates very well with day one, two, and three in, of cre- creation in chronological order. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, o Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds in his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angel spirits his ministering flame of fire. So we'll find, uh, you know, day one, right? God says, let there be light. And then, so then we see here, it talks about how um, in verse uh, 2, it says, who covers himself with light like a garment. And then we have day 2, it says, it talks about God making the firmament and how he stretches that out. And then we have that kind of falling right in succession with that. And then we have uh, the receding of the waters and laying the foundation like a garment in verse 5 through 9 of Psalms 104. So it's just kind of interesting how it goes through day one, day two, and day three of the creation experience and tells you kind of what that light was, that he clothed himself with this garment of light. So I thought that was pretty cool. I've been searching to find out what this light was for a long time, and God showed me this morning, so I was, I was happy to see that. So, All right. All right, back to Genesis 1 here. All right, and God saw the light and that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness and called the light day and darkness he called night. So evening more were the first day. All right, this is kind of, we're going to get into verse 6 here of Genesis 1, kind of get the main meat and the potatoes of what we're going to be talking about mostly tonight. It's going to be the firmament. Who here has heard of the word the firmament? All right, who thinks they have an understanding of what the firmament means? It's kind of an old term that we don't use today. So if you look in a lot of you know, Bibles, ooh, this is bowing out pretty good here. <laughs> look at a lot of the Bibles today, you see the word expanse. Uh, you'll see uh, vault, dome. Most of the Bibles and interpretations today use the word expanse. So I'm going to get into the firmaments, uh, looking at the Hebrew word of what it is and what it meant back then. And still does today. All right. Definitely should have numbered these pages. I need a reset here. Uh, I got two copies. So that's my first copy. Now be a little easier that I only have one copy. All right. There we go. Um, now I like to do this before I kind of usually I start kind of getting ahead of myself. Uh, I'm going to be doing this kind of at the start of everyone. Who here believes that the Word of God is the final and ultimate authority on all truth and topics and subjects? Let me signify by a raise of hands. All right. Now I'll just let you know this. That's that's no easy thing to say because there's a lot of things in this society that are not 
going to uh, fare well with, uh, with the Word of God. If you agree with the statement above, understand that much of the truth revealed by the Word of God will not be accepted, but will be utterly rejected by the wisdom of this world. This means you can fully expect with extreme prejudice that agreeing with God on any matter will most certainly set you at odds against the world and that you will be considered naive, ignorant, gullible, intolerant, judgmental, unreasonable, illogical, and brainwashed. I mean, I may notice that lately, <laughs> right? Now, if you don't agree that there's only two genders, you're, you're a heretic, you're, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're sexist, you're whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're a domestic terrorist. It's like, you got to be kidding me. How long did it take for that lie to become widely accepted globally? Only in the span of a few years. Well, if that, if... A lot of people think, well, it'd be hard to convince the whole world of a lie because there's a lot of people. Well, look how easily that just happened. All right, now think about other things that you've been taught in school. How easy is it for them things to have been a lie and to be widely accepted? See, this, it starts to open a can of worms when you realize that, oh, what if I've been duped in things, right? So just keep that in mind. Um, how many know the truth is a resilient thing, though? It doesn't care what the masses say. It doesn't care how many people deny it. Truth does not care what race, color, or creed you are. Truth stands on its own merit without any help or needed support from anyone. Truth doesn't need you to affirm its existence or accept its reality. God is the only truly self-sufficient one because he is the way, the truth, and the the life. So we need not look any further than the Word of God on any matter to grasp a hold of the real unyielding truth. So here's my advice. You ready? Do not get comfortable bending the Word of God to match the reality that you wish or were taught to perceive. Rather, allow the Word of God to bend or break your perception of reality to the truth of the Word of God. And it won't steer you wrong. It's a much better and safer route to assume God is right than to assume God is wrong and the world is right. Amen? Can we all agree with that? Amen? All right. So just had to throw that out there as my little uh, disclaimer. So because <laughs> uh, what I'm going to be getting into, of course, is controversial, just like Anything of the Word of God is controversial these days. I mean, you know, in the last days, God said they're going to call truth uh, false, and they call the false truth. That's just what it's what it is. So we're starting to see that at a whole new scale than we've seen it before. So, all right. So verse six, uh, I'm going to read here. It says, "Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters." Now, again, what waters they talk about? He's talking. Talk about the, the flooded earth that we see in the verse before, deep water. And we look at other, we'll find other scriptures that talk about deep waters that are over the mountains, just kind of like the days of Noah, but even greater. And I can probably explain why it's even greater flood than Noah's time. Um, so, um, thus God made... Oh, let me finish. Made a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. 
Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Uh, something interesting to note here is that we see God creating a, a heaven. Whereas in Genesis 1, guess what? God created the heavens and the earth. What he's actually referring to is that God created the first heaven and the third heaven in Genesis 1.1. But we see in this that he creates a new heaven and he sticks it in the middle of these waters and calls that a heaven. So before we had two heavens, now we have a third heaven being made and sticking in the middle. All right. So very, very interesting. All right, verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. Now under the heavens, basically we have the third heaven and the new firmament heaven he just stuck in. So the waters that are now underneath this ocean, he stuck something in. We have a second heaven above it and a third heaven. And now he's calling the waters under the firmament that he just put in to recede down. Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Whew. All right. That's some. Whew, what is going on here? What, <laughs> what is this firmament God is talking about? All right. So we're going to get into what this word firmament means because it's very important and significant, of course, to figure out in the Hebrew what, what this is for us to understand and comprehend. All right. Uh, the Hebrew word for firmament here is the word rakaya, a noun which means extended solid surface. It means vault of heaven supporting waters above or dome of heaven. All right, I'll say it again. Extended solid surface, vault of heaven supporting waters above, or dome of heaven. What's more interesting and will give us a greater understanding of the meaning of this word is the verb root word for rakaya, which is raka, which can be found in several passages. So this is nice because we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture here than just us assuming where do we, where do we get these definitions from, you know. Well, now we're going to get a better understanding with the verb form here. So we're going to turn to Numbers 1639. Numbers 1639. And it reads, So Eleazar, the priest, took the bronze censer, which those who were burned had offered, and they were hammered out as a covering for the altar. Here the phrase, were hammered out, is again the verb root, raka. Uh, the bronze was hammered into thin sheets, then laid over the surface of the altar. The word rakaya is the noun form of the word raka, and is literally a hammered out sheet. This is where, you know, we get the definition, an extended solid surface, because it is a hammered out sheet, a vault of heaven, a dome of heaven that was hammered out. The Strong's definition of raka is to expand by hammering, to overlay with thin sheets of metal, 
to beat, to make broad, to spread abroad, to stretch out into plates. This is probably one of the more common things in all the scriptures that we're going to read next is to stretch out. But notice it says to stretch out into sheets. Sheets of what? Sheets of metal because they're beating metal into these sheets. So in many of the scriptures we're going to look to, it talks about stretching out the heavens, and it's using raka, this term, as how it's doing that. So um, and we have another scripture, so it's not just one in, in Numbers. We have Isaiah 40:19, and it says, The idol, a workman cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. The word overlay is the verb root raka again. Raka is the process of hammering out a piece of gold or other metal into thin plates, which was then applied to a carved or molten image. Okay? So, now the other scriptures I'm about to read will finally make uh, sense, and we have an understanding of what God meant by them. Uh, I always thought God just spoke everything to existence, but scriptures tell us another story, the real reason why God actually had to rest on the seventh day. All right. So I'm going to, I'll read two scriptures, then I'm going to do the demonstration so you can visually see what Raqqa is, what the firmament is. Got my stuff up here. I'm ready to go. All right. So Psalms 19.1 Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God. And their expanse, their raka, their vault, their dome, their hammered out sheet, sheets, is declaring the work of his hands. Isaiah 45.12 says, It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out, remember that phrase, out the heaven with my hands and I ordained all their hosts. So here I'm going to demonstrate what God means by with my hands, by the work of his hands, beating out the sheets of the firmament.
calls the daughter and explains the plan to gather together and to basically look inside the earth to try and find it. So there's actually more knowledge hunting in the earth than the daughter knows or wants to know. So this was <laughs> this was way above the mountain, so there's no This is actually way higher than even Noah's flood because Noah's flood, it went, it didn't even go up to where the top of this was. This water, again, we have water that's above the firmament that isn't even accounted for in Noah's time. Noah was, Noah lived inside the firmament, right? And his went just slightly above the waters and then it receded down. But this flood that God talks about in Genesis 1-2 was even way higher because he stuck a firmament in and then drained the inside to go inside of the earth. So there are chambers of water, huge chambers of water inside the earth. Well, this kind of goes a little bit against uh, <laughs> what you might come to believe in modern uh, science class. Modern science class will, will show you this as the representation of the earth, and if you cut this in half, what do we have inside? The core, molten lava, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of miles deep. Somehow they figured this out. But, but yet we have not drilled like more than like seven miles <laughs> into the earth's crust, and yet somehow we know what's thousands and thousands and thousands of miles into the earth's core. Well, I wasn't going to go all that route, but uh, hold on. I'll be right back. Forgot to get something. But now's a good time for it, so. All right. Here we have a, we're going to call it a footstool. All right. Because, well, when it comes to the shape of the earth, the Bible is very explicit into what it looks. It gives quite a few scriptures on what it is. All right, first, the Bible talks about the four corners of the earth. All right, who here can point to me the four corners of this footstool? Right there, 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 everywhere. Who can point to me the four corners of this? All right, would anybody here use this as a footstool? Well, maybe. Right. It's pretty comfortable. <laughs> but if you were to put a footstool on this ball up here and ask, well, which one is a footstool? Well, everyone would point to the one with four corners and four pillars. Well, there are many, many scriptures talk about the four pillars of the earth. Well, who can point out to me where four pillars are in this? Anyone? Somewhere inside this circle, because it, it needs pillars? No. Yeah, next to the core. Uh, <laughs> I don't think circles need pillars. They kind of gain their structural strength from being a circle, right? <laughs> that is, they don't need pillars. Uh, again, I have a whole sheet of all these uh, 
interesting scripture. I'll just, I'll just read the pillars of the earth. First Samuel 2.8, I'm just going to fly through them. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among the princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. Job 9.6, he shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble. Psalm 75.3, the earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved. I set up the pillars firmly. All right, we have scriptures for the four corners of the earth. Isaiah 11:12. He will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Revelation 7:1. After these things, I saw the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or the sea or any tree. Revelations 28, and I will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is at the as the sand of the sea. All right, we have borders of the earth. Psalms 74, 17, you have set all the borders of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't see a border to, to this, right? It just It's continuous. It's a circle. It's meant to be <laughs> an ever, never-ending circle, right? Um, something interesting uh, about the, the four winds of the earth. Um, how many ever heard of the jet streams in science class? Who can tell me what year the jet streams were discovered? 1944? Oh, <laughs> somewhere around there. <laughs> but yeah, it was the early uh, 19, uh, I want to say 50s, uh, during one of the world wars when a Japanese scientist who was studying... Um, put a hot air balloon, right, and dis discovered these four jet streams that were above the earth. Because previously, man hadn't flown before. We had no idea. And we discovered these in World War II because our bombers would meet, would be fly one way, you know, an extra couple hundred miles in one jet stream, but then going in a different jet stream, it, they'd meet resistance. It could only, f so it was a huge issue if you're thinking that you can go a thousand miles in a bomber but only go 700 miles <laughs> you might be crashing into the sea right so it was discovered during world war ii about this and they started to use these jet streams to the advantage and then later we find out that there's four of them well in scripture we find that there are four winds and i have one two three four five six seven eight Nine scriptures talking about the four winds of the earth that weren't discovered until the 1950s. So just science is, real science affirms the word of God. Fake science will try to deny what the word of God has told us for thousands of years. All right? So God knew all this stuff. God even talked about springs in under the oceans. Well, when was that discovered? That wasn't discovered until we had those, you know, everybody's seen those metal suits with that big hose in the old day, and they were scuba diving and walking on this. Well, no, it wasn't even then. It was later when they had vehicle craft that were going down and monitoring the temperatures, and all of a sudden it spikes up to like 400 degrees, and they're thinking, what the? How is it 400 degrees under, you know, maybe it's a volcano. They found out it was a spring of water, and you're thinking, spring of water? Who would have thought such a thing? Because... For a long time, that was never believed that waters were under the earth's crust, that there were rivers and chambers and compartments of hot water under the earth. But the Bible talks about this. Uh, let's see, do I have that reference? 
Nope, I don't have that one, but it's definitely, and it talks about the springs coming out, the hot springs coming from under, from the ocean floor. And it's like, God knew. God knew this stuff years and years and years before any man was ever going to go explore the ocean floor. He knew. All right? Um, something else I'll quickly talk about. Uh, how we talk about, uh, God says that the earth would not move, that it does not move. All right? I got four scriptures here. It says, Tremble before him, all the earth. The world also is firmly established. It shall not move. Psalms 104.5 says, Who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. It's pretty uh, absolute there. Psalms 96.10 says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. In Psalm 93.1, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Well, back to, back to here. Uh, you know, when I push on this, it doesn't move very well. It's got four pillars. It's footed in something. Now imagine this is the world, and you're trying to push the world. It's not moving. Right? But today, science is, we're moving. We're moving, all right, by <laughs> scientists will say we're moving, guess what, at what speed we're moving through the galaxy, it says. NASA says 666,000 miles per hour through the galaxy. Oh, imagine that. That's an interesting number. Another interesting number is that we, the Earth happens to be leaning 66.6 degrees towards the sun. Another interesting number. Another interesting number is that the Earth's curvature seems to be dropping at 6.66 feet per mile. Ooh, what is with all these 666 references we have in regards to all of our NASA and astrological numbers of how of the Earth and its size and its dimension and its shape? It's downright demonic is what it is. But... That's for another time. We're on the firmament, guys. <laughs> Ooh, I had to bust this out because this is, well, it was time. So there it was. So, again, I have, if you want uh, the scriptures for this, please come talk to me. I will print sheets out and get things to you. I have it all just categorized. The earth does not move in all the scriptures that the Bible, I do like to do word searches all the time. Right, and all the words have the word firmament in it, and then you get it clear. So today we're going to be going all the scriptures. I didn't realize how many scriptures there were on the firmament. Um, I got a lot to get into because God was blowing my mind. I thought I knew a decent amount about this stuff. I'm not kind of the only one I know that talks about this stuff. But yeah, here God is like revelation after revelation after revelation, just going. I'm like, oh, yes, more, more good stuff. And this time from the works. I've looked. All right, so I've spent probably over 1,500 hours easily on this type of topics, on the shape of the earth, on outer space, on, so I know what I'm talking, I know what I've seen and what I've heard, but most of that time was spent more on the scientific end, watching videos and a lot of videos, and, you know, a part of that, yes, was into the Word, because I want to know, first I looked into it scientifically, and then I looked into it with the Word of God, whereas I kind of should have done yeah, looking back now, uh, I should have put more faith and trust in God, but I didn't have an understanding. I didn't have anyone to show me or tell me what the firmament was. I didn't have anybody to tell me 
all these things. So I had to discover it for myself, and it took a long time. So you guys get the fast track. <laughs> Anybody like the fast track, right? Just give me the, because, you know, not everyone has hundreds of hours to sink into a topic. You know, we all have different callings and different purposes and different graces to look into different things, right? Well, this is one of my graces that God is calling me to because it's, it's not only something in the past, it's something that affects the current and the future. When you talk about future prophecy, if you don't have an understanding of this stuff, it doesn't make any sense to you whatsoever. It doesn't. When you start getting the revelation and all these things of the new heavens and the new earth, and I'm telling you, get, get ready. God's going to blow some socks off tonight, all right? So they're <laughs> Cody says they're off, all right. <laughs> all right, so we're back into the firmament here. So... So I've done a lot of black, or I've never done blacksmithing, but uh, I've seen enough movies to know it's hard labor, all sweaty and dirty, pounding away at a little sword, weapon, or shield. Now multiply the, the size of that metal by a few trillion. <laughs> a sheet of metal, metal large enough to cover the entirety of the earth. We can now get a grasp on why God brags about how this heavenly structure so much, how magnificent a feat it was, and how much labor went into creating it. I, I would want to rest, too, after pounding on that thing all day. And no one truly knows if one day that God refers to in Genesis during the creation is 24 hours, one year, or a thousand. That's generally the, the three categories when he says a day could mean one of those three. So, who knows? This may have been a thousand-year process. I'm not going to say I know the answer to that. So, just food for thought. All right. So, Isaiah 42.5 says, thus, God, thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and a spirit to those who walk in it. So, not only does it say he stretched out the heavens... But he also spread out the earth. I never, I never heard that. Anybody else ever hear that before? I never thought about that. I wonder how much physical labor that entailed. Here is another scripture referencing God spreading out the earth. Isaiah 44, 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb, I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens myself, and spreading out the earth alone. I never knew God spread out the earth. Very interesting. Isaiah 51.13. Isaiah 51.13. That you have forgotten the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. Oh, here we go back to the foundations of the earth. Zechariah 12.1. Thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heaven, lays the foundations of the earth, and forms the spirit of man. Anyone here ever laid a foundation of a house, a garage, a structure? Well, that's a, that's a hard, dirty work. That's a lot of digging. It's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of work to lay a foundation. Well, the earth, I'm sure, has some very, very big foundations. Amen? All right. Job 9.8 says, Who alone stretches out the heavens and tramples down the waves of the sea? 
Jeremiah 10, 12 says, It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he stretched out the heavens. How many more scriptures are we going to have of him stretching out the heavens? Again, this word raka means to beat out sheets of metal and stretch them out, the firmament. All right. Genesis 1.20 says, Then God said, Let the waters... Oh, Genesis 1.20. All right. Maybe we'll just go and start reading Genesis 1.20 here. That's the... We're going to continue on with the creation here. Uh, yeah, we'll start with verse 14. Uh, Genesis 1.14. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, so evening and morning were the fourth day. Interesting. All right. So he makes the sun and the moon and stars. Where does he place them? In the firmament, in the beat-out sheet that he just placed on top of the earth. And he places the sun and the moon and the stars in this firmament. This is what we call the second heaven. The heavens and the stars, it's the second heaven, right? It is the firmament. Well, this doesn't jive very well, again, with modern science, who says the sun is 93 million miles away, and that the moon is how many hundreds of, I don't know, 250,000 miles away, when God says he placed them within the firmament. You realize kind of how ridiculous this is when you, when you realize, what is this? Remember, this is the waters he divided, right? What's above the firmament, according to Scripture? We have the water. Water. You ever read any science class where there's uh, an ocean as the sky? You think, oh, well, that's, well, that's clouds and that's the, the expanse of the atmosphere. Nope. Not so. So we're going to get, yeah, we got more scriptures to get into because <laughs> he never said, you'll find in scripture, he never did anything with this. He left it. But we'll get into, uh, we'll get into some, some things here. So it's going to get good. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, so something interesting. Then God said, let the waters, in verse 20, verse 120, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament. This gives us a good distance of how far the face of the firmament is. If a bird, the highest bird can fly, I believe, seven miles. It's a type of vulture. 
and it can fly seven miles. Well, how I many know we got commercial planes that can fly higher than that? We've got air balloons that we've sent up there, and they can reach uh, quite a few miles up there too. But let's talk about the birds flew across the face of the firmament. So we know we're just not talking about outer space and beyond like Buzz Lightyear here. We're talking about the birds, God says, fly across the face of the firmament. So it is close to us. It's not some out there distant galaxies and cosmos. And you'll find that those words don't actually exist in the Bible. Universe, cosmos, galaxies, planet, they're not, they're not in there. Those are man's ideologies to uh, match up with what someone else's doctrine was. And then we started to put that into our interpretations as we have, because that's how we perceived it all to be, because we did not understand the ancient way. We thought we knew better than what God did and what God told you know, Moses and all these people who, guess what? They didn't need an interpreter. They didn't need to trans form this language into something of their own so that they could get a grasp and understanding. God spoke to them in their language so that they could plainly understand, and then they relayed that to us. So anybody, anybody ever looked at what uh, history has thought the shape of the earth and all that to be for the last 6,000 years? I can tell you it doesn't look like what it looks like today. That all changed, you know, four or 500 years ago. Anybody ever seen pictures? Anybody ever taught in school, like, ancient history of what this stuff looked like? Anybody? No? Flat with a dome with waters above, with the stars, the sun and the moon, within or under the firmament. That is what's been not just in Jewish culture, understand this. This has been in every single culture, from the Egyptians to the Aztecs to the Babylonians to the Mesopotamians to the Jews. Every culture adopt, adopted that concept of a flat earth with four pillars. I mean, what are the odds that these nations spread across the globe all would have a coherent, universal picture of the biblical view of the earth. What are the odds of that? That tells you something, that everyone got their understanding from this. And if everyone got their understanding from this, they all had an understanding of exactly what it meant and how it was received and revealed to God's, whoever God revealed it to. Everyone, every society has the same thing. It all, they all have the same flood stories. They all have the same names of different gods, but all the same stories of the gods. And that gets into the, the Nephilim and the Watchers and all that. And I don't have time to get into all that. But God has the real history, the real knowledge here. So, all right, we're going to keep moving along here. Um, let's see. Let's 
see where I left off here. All right, we're starting to get the picture. When God creates and makes things, he not only speaks, but he puts action behind his words and performs the necessary duties and tasks. Much like love or faith, it's not enough to just say you love somebody or say I have faith in something. You have to put action behind those words. God was literally building the structure of the great ferment, spreading out the earth, and digging and pouring foundations. Now we know why, or now we know where Jesus got his carpentry skills. <laughs> Dad said, let me show you how it's done here, son. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. All right, um, Psalms 104, 104. All right, I already kind of went over this. I kind of, again, skipped ahead where it parallels day one, day two, and day three. It talks about God. Let there be light and how he kind of put on that cloak around him. Uh, but I'm going to kind of read through here a little slower here. Uh, again, Psalms 104, 1 through 9. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord my God, you are very great and you are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a cloak, stretching out the heaven like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. That's an interesting phrase there. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. He establishes the earth upon its foundations so that it will not totter forever and ever. You covered it with deep. All right, so he's going back to uh, he, how he covered the earth in deep water in Genesis 1-2. The waters were standing above the mountains at your rebuke the flood. See, like I said last month, that this is different than Noah's flood because God did not rebuke the flood of Noah. They just came down gradually. Here we have uh, God saying, let the waters recede down. And it says, at the sound of your thunder, they hurried away. Well, I think the, the 40 days of storm and stuff were done long before the thunders caused the uh, Noah's flood to recede, right? And they didn't hurry away. They kind of took their time, right? So, um, the mountains rose, the valleys sink down to the place which you established them forever. You set a boundary that they may not pass over so that they will not return to cover the earth. This also helps illustrate that this is talking about the Genesis 1-2 flood. Because at what point in Noah did he set a boundary that the floods would not return? He didn't. That was in Genesis 1-2 when he made the firmament and set a boundary for the waters so that they did not return to cover the earth. So all these little things you miss out, right? When it's like you just don't know any better to look into these things. So, but there's nuggets. There's Lots and lots of nuggets in the Word of God. So, all right, we're going to turn to Amos. Uh, we're going to get into the, the beams in his upper chambers in the waters later. So be ready for that. So, but Amos 9.6 uh, says, uh, let's see. What does Amos 9.6 start with? Oh, okay, maybe I'm going to get into that right away. Uh, oh, maybe that is it. All right. 
No, no, it's not. Ah, these papers, man. All right, Courtney's going to help me out here. I know, she's got it on her phone. Good thing I emailed this. But here, if you want to pull my email up on my laptop, that'll probably be a little easier for me than these papers are messing me. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Amos 9.6. And it says, The one who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and has founded his vaulted dome over the earth. He who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. And then we skip to Psalm 148.4. It says, Praise him, you heaven of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. This is where it confirms, talking about the waters which are still above the firmament when he divided it. Um, yeah, we're going to keep going here. And Ezekiel, again, I'll get back to the chambers a little later here. Uh, Ezekiel 1, uh, 22 through 26. Well, no, I'll start with 1, 1, 5 through 6, and then work our way to 22. Ezekiel 1, 5 through 6. As I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually, and a bright light around it, in its midst, something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. Within it, there were figures resembling four living beings, and this was their appearance. They had human form. And then it kind of goes into more about these, the form of these four beings. I just want to give you context of where we're at, this kind of weird vision that Ezekiel's having. And pick up in verse 22. It says, Now over the heads of the living beings, there was something like an expanse, like the awesome gleam of crystal spread out over their heads. All right. Under, 23, under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight and one toward the other. Each one also had two wings covering its body on the one side and on the other. I also heard the sound of their wings like the sound of abundant waters as they went, like the voice of Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army camp. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse that was over their heads. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings. So what expanse are we talking about? We're talking about the firmament. Okay? We're talking about a firmament uh, like gleaming uh, crystal spread out over the heads. Because then it starts to talk about uh, what's above the expanse. Okay. All right. Thank you much. All right. What's interesting here is that it doesn't just say there is an expanse or firmament above, the he above their heads. It says there is something like an expanse, which is a little different than what we've been reading in the other scriptures saying, talking about kind of the stretched out heavens and just being very upfront that this is the, the firmament. This is the expanse. This is what it is. Whereas this says something like the expanse. So we're going to get into how that ties into the water above. Uh, this, mean, this seems very different. Um, if we take a look at this in the Amplified, I think it may help to unravel why this expanse looks something like the normal expanse. Uh, the Amplified says, 
looking like the terrible and awesome shimmer of icy crystal. Ooh, we're going to get into iciness here. It's about to get cold, y'all. All right, the real expanse slash dome is a hammered out sheet of metal. What do we call a frozen piece of flat water? A sheet of ice. Dun, dun, dun. And a sheet of ice would have the look of a gleam of crystal or a shimmer of icy crystal, while also looking like a sheet of transparent metal. Oh, transparent metal. Oh, I don't get into what I mean by that. Well, there's no such thing as transparent metal. Or is there? Well, I think we maybe have uh, forgotten something about the streets of gold and the city, the gold city of heaven. Let's read. Revelations 21, 18 through 21. Revelation 21, 18 through 21. I know I'm all giddy up here. Just don't mind me. I'm, I'm having a field day, so. <laughs> the construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. He's talking about the new Jerusalem, the new heaven that's going to be coming down at the end of the age after uh, the millennial reign. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. And he goes through all the, all the stones. I'm not going to read all that. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Oh, interesting here. I believe the firmament to be made of God's pure gold, like transparent glass. Crystals are the hardest substance we know of on the earth. However, like glass, you cannot beat on it and hammer it out without it shattering. Why? Because it's not malleable. We get that term malletable because you take a mallet and you beat it and you can shape it, right? Gold is malletable, whereas crystal or glass or things like that would shatter if you beat them out. So this is why I believe uh, the ferment to be transparent gold. This seems to be the common construction material that God uses for the city of heaven and the streets of gold. Why not, if it's fine enough for his city, which is 1,500 miles long, by 1,500 miles this way, and by 1,500 miles tall, surely it's suitable for the firmament. Ooh, Ooh we're getting good stuff here tonight, amen? All right. Let's see. So the highest form of refining gold from men's knowledge is 24K, and it's not transparent. But let's not dare try to say God is not capable of refining gold to a higher quality and purity than us. That is, to, that is able to render it transparent. I think that would be grossly arrogant on our part. God's got the 100K carat gold, and we got the 24K, Okay. I think that's more so what's going on here. <laughs> God's got the good stuff, right? We just haven't quite figured out how to get gold transparent yet. So, someday maybe. All right. So, we already know that the metallic firmament is holding up an entire ocean of water. What we haven't really considered is whether or not this ocean is in a frozen form now or a liquid 
Well, who can tell me what happens to the temperature as you climb higher into the sky? Ooh, it gets cold. Well, how cold does it get? I sick. <laughs> What's cooler than being cool? Ice cold. So, fun fact, generally temperatures at cruising altitudes for commercial aircraft range from minus 56 degrees Celsius to minus 76 degrees Celsius with temperatures rarely dropping lower than this. It's pretty cold up there, right? Very freezing cold. Well, if this water, this water stayed up there long enough to where it eventually froze, I believe, all of it. And we're going to see this in Scripture. Pretty interesting. Uh, the Scripture gives us another reference to what is being revealed to Ezekiel. Uh, Revelations 4.6 says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Sound familiar? And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Notice it doesn't say of crystal, just like Ezekiel says, like crystal. A little difference. What's also interesting and worth noting is that it actually calls it a sea. So we have a sea of something that's like a crystal. Well, you freeze water, what's it look like? It's going to look like a sea of crystal, but it's not crystal. So just piecing these things together, so you start to get a full, complete image of what's really going. And you can really read these scriptures and understand what they're talking about and what they mean by these things. Um, so Job's, we're going to turn to Job 37.10. And it says, from the breath of God, ice is made, and the expanse of the waters is frozen. Here we have scripture telling us that the expanse, the stretched out heavens, is frozen in Job. Remember, this is when God's like telling Job, you think you know something? Let me tell you. And he starts listing all these things that man can't possibly know about the heavens and the earth and the foundations of, you weren't around during the time, but I was. And he talks about the expanse is frozen right here in Job. Do we have another one? Oh, yes, we got another winner. Job 38, 29 through 30 says, Out of whose womb has come the ice and the frost of heaven? Who has given it birth? Water becomes like stone and hides itself. Check, check. And the surface of the deep is frozen and imprisoned. Just in case you thought maybe the expanse waters were maybe the sky waters of the clouds and how they bring this this specifically referenced the surface of the deep. Well, there is no surface of the deep when you're talking about the clouds and the atmosphere. Surface of the deep is only, that word deep is only references when floods, right? In Genesis 1-2, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep waters. Every time you see that term, deep waters, it's flood waters, all right? So this gives us a very significant scripture to back up. It's just not talking about water in the atmosphere. That expanse is frozen. We're talking about the face of the deep water is frozen. Very interesting. Uh, remember in Psalms 104 that God placed the beams of his chambers in the waters. His chambers, his chambers are in the third heaven. I mean, no, God's got chambers. His chambers are in the third heaven, his dwelling place. Therefore, the foundation for heaven would be resting on top 
of the firmament, the second heaven, which is where we see the beams of his chambers being placed. Where? In the waters. But it doesn't make sense to put supporting beam structures in liquid water, does it? No, you don't, <laughs> you don't do that. But you could place solid beam structures in frozen water. Because the scripture we just read before, where it says, water becomes like stone. Because you also, I'm also going to tie this into Revelation, where it talks about the new, yeah, I'll get into this now. All right. Um, what happens at the end of this age, in regards to the heavens and the earth? He says he's going to do what to the current heaven and earth, heavens and earth? He's going to burn them. He's going to consume them. Now, he says the earth and the heavens, plural. But, well, which heaven, again, there's three heavens now. Which heavens is he talking about? Is he talking about all three? Is he talking about two of the three? Is he talking about one of the three? See, because he's going to bring the third heaven and rest it upon the earth as the new Jerusalem. Because guess what? What did Christ say? He's going to prepare a place for us for, to dwell in for all eternity. Is he going to then burn up the place that he's been preparing for us for eternity? That doesn't make any sense. So we can exclude, guess what, the third heaven from what's going to be consumed and new. He's going to take the third heaven, he's going to consume the earth and melt away the first and the second heaven with consuming fire. I believe, I believe that the fire is going to melt the ice and cause the third heaven to then be placed down. It's going to melt the gold first off, and then it's going to melt the ice above, and we're going to see the third heaven placed on the earth. Woo! Pretty interesting stuff here. So, all right, how many liking this so far? Hey, all right. All right. So I'm going to read what time are we at here. 8.32. What time do we normally end here? 8.32. 8.32. Thanks, Clay. <laughs> oh, we got jokes here. We got jokes in the first row. Hey. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely going to be a part two to this because there's just, I'm just still in the firmament stuff. There's, I haven't got to the, Yeah. There's more to go. So 2 Peter 3 here, we're going to read. Um, and it says, uh, starting verse 3, first, all, first of all, know without any doubt, we're reading the Amplified here, that mockers will come in the last days with their mocking, following after their own human desires and saying, where is the promise of his coming? What has become of it? For ever since the fathers fell asleep in death, all things have continued exactly as they did from the beginning of creation. Verse 5, for they willingly forget the fact that the heavens existed long ago by the word of God. Very interesting that he says that because man today has completely forgotten the second heaven and replaced it with something else. Just saying, because it's talking about the last days here. And the earth was, now listen to this, 
Let me read this again. For they willingly forget the fact that the heaven existed long ago by the word of God, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Anybody ever heard of that before? I never heard that before. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, no, Second Peter uh, 3, verse uh, 5. And the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed by being flooded with water. This also confirms Genesis 1-2 being the earth was destroyed in 1-2 because when was the earth formed? In the days of creation, right? And it specifically links uh, the earth being destroyed when the earth was being formed out of water. Yes. There we go. I think it's more of a picture of like, right in Genesis 1-2, we see the earth in a flooded, right, with, with water. That's like really, really all we see, and the Spirit hovering over the face of the deep. So everything from that point seems like it's from the water, that point, that creation then starts being, the earth starts being formed. I think that's kind of the reference it's giving. So, yes, but... Very interesting, again, that it just links those two events together so you don't have to think, oh, oh, the Noah flood. I don't know if I believe about this one-two flood. Here it even states when the earth was formed, how the God flooded the earth and destroyed it with those waters and then formed the earth out of those waters, basically. So very interesting. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly people. Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. Like I said earlier, and a thousand years is like one day. Who knows how long exactly it took. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Then the heavens will vanish. Again, which heavens? Well, the third heaven's not going to vanish. That's going to be brought down. So you're talking about the first heaven and the second heaven. The heavens will vanish with a mighty and thunderous roar. And the material, now listen to this, this is interesting. The material elements will be destroyed with intense heat. Well, what elements do we have? We have the firmament, which I believe to be made of gold, some type of metal, and we also have the element of water being basically burned up in this heat. So it's interesting that it even says the material elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and the works that are on it will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be in the meantime? In holy behavior, that is, in a pattern of daily life that sets you apart as believer and in godliness displaying profound reverence toward our awesome God. While you earnestly look for and await the coming of the day of God, for on this day the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the material elements will melt with intense heat. But in accordance with his promise, we expectantly await new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This firmament that we see is not going to make it to the next age. It is a temporary fix. And this is what, 
or want to get into much, much like the veil in the tabernacle. So I'm going to link the firmament to a veil because does anyone think God actually wanted the veil in the first place in the holy temple? Anybody think God wanted that veil there? No. Why, why did he have the veil there? Because God was holy and man was sitting. They couldn't, if they interact, they would die, right? The glory of God is so holy and pure that evil cannot be in its presence without it <laughs> fleeing and dying. You would leave your body, right? That's just how it is. Well, for there, to be a, uh, for there to be a separation from the holy place and the holy of holies, a separation of the priests of God and the Father God, the whole point of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection was for the purpose of reconciliation, to tear into two the veil that separated us from him. Well, here is something very, inter very interesting to consider. On the six, of the six days God labored in creating the earth and the heavens, how many of them did God call good? Mm. I'm, I was talking about the six days of labor, because on the seventh, God rested. But did you know that there, was, there is one day that God did not call good? All the others he called good. But guess what? The day that he placed the firmament... Ooh, the Spirit is on this. The day he placed the veil between the spirit realm and the natural realm, he did not call good. Whew. <laughs> I'm feeling that one, Lord. <laughs> wow. God did not like putting this firmament in between to separate heaven and earth. It was never meant to be. It is a temporary thing that God will consume just like he will consume death. Yeah, his kingdom come on earth just as it is in heaven. There are so many things that are types and shadows of Christ. The temple itself is a representation of the outer courts, outer darkness, and the inner courts uh, the earth, and then the holy of holies, the inner sanctuary of God, just like the earth. It is just like, it's so paralleled to each other. Um, the day he put the firmament into place and divided the realm of heaven and earth, there, there used to be no divide. Uh, but after, okay, so get this. There used to be no divide. Remember in Genesis 1, right? We had God created the heavens and the earth. He created heaven 1 and heaven 3. But later, he, after there's this flood and judgment, then he sticks in this firmament. Why did he need to stick in this firmament? Well, do you remember what happened? Remember, Lucifer tried to invade heaven from where? From the earth. He, tried, he rose above the clouds, ascended above the clouds to then ascend up into the mount of God. God placed a veil, a barrier between him and Lucifer and us. Because, guess, because where did he send Lucifer? He sent him back down to the earth before man was even created. God creates a veil because heaven is a holy place. And Lucifer 
and his angels are not welcome to that holy place. And God decided to put a veil after, I believe, after they invaded heaven. There is a, now a structure, a wall that prohibits them unless they are allowed access through a gate of the firmament. Whew. Wow. This is the revelation God's been showing like, <laughs> holy cow, I never saw that, Lord. Because the Lord knew that when he created man, that we would hand our dominion over to Lucifer. And therefore, this whole thing, this whole invasion thing could happen again. So, whew. Wow. This whole thing with the heaven and the earth and the firmament is all about tearing down that veil, waiting to the time where this thing is going to get burned up. And that barrier, yeah, first he, first he took down the, the spiritual barrier, right, Christ? He, t he made a way with reconciliation spiritually. The second thing is going to naturally, he's going to take down the barrier between the heaven realm and the natural realm, because he's going to bring heaven down to earth. And that second ferment is not going to be there. There's going to be a, a new heaven. I'm not sure what the new type of heaven is going to be, but it's, going to be, it's not going to be a barrier anymore that divides us from God. Whew. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody learn something tonight? God is just like, whoo, all this stuff. I never even saw any of this stuff in Scripture. I mean, even like a day and a half ago, I was just blowing my mind with all this revelation like <laughs> he's so good he's got this he's got a plan he's got it set up and it's all about reconciling us back to him not just spiritually but naturally for the world as well and that's what's going to happen here so i'll close and i'll end there i'm sure there's more i could go but that was that was a good finish point there so all right heavenly father god we just thank you lord for your word that it just continues to shine light and truth in this present age of darkness and lies and deceit. Lord, how, how many, Lord, <laughs> I just, I'm just so fed up with the lies of the enemy that have clouded every aspect and every area of our lives. He's called the father of lies, but Lord, you are the father of truth. And God, we're going to shine our lights bright and we're going to reveal God, the truth of your word, the real state of things, of reality, Lord, to everyone that will hear. God, we thank you most of all for your plan of reconciliation, God, of making a way for us spiritually, God, to be connected back with you, our Heavenly Father. God, we thank you for the days to come, God, where we're going to be united in this natural realm with the heavenly realm. We look so forward to all that you have in store in Jesus' name. Amen.